Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. Today, we find ourselves in a virtual location where we will be recording a great episode for you to listen to. I'd like to take a few moments for our panelists to introduce themselves, starting with Sam. Hi, everybody. I'm Sam Clements. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Samuel underscore Clements, and I blog over at www.sc-wifi.com. All right. I'm uh, Jordan Martin at BC Jordan on Twitter. You can find me at networkcollective.com. Oh, hi, everybody. I'm Lee Badman, Twitter at WiredNot, all one word. And I blog primarily at wirednot.wordpress.com. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today in our virtual podcast domain. Let's go ahead and kick off this episode. We live in a world that is slowly being taken over by software. It used to be that you could buy a, a gadget or a widget and it came with everything you needed to run forever. And then someone figured out that the best way to fund development and fund continued investment in something was to charge for features. Fast forward to today and pretty much everything you have on a device or in a piece of software is gonna cost you money somehow. The premise for this episode is that feature-based licensing, especially when it comes to things in IT infrastructure, is a good thing. Now, Lee, you've written quite a bit on this licensing discussion recently, and I kind of want to toss this to you. What are your thoughts on feature-based licensing and why it is or isn't good for IT infrastructure? Well, Tom, uh, it's an interesting topic, and I'll start off by saying it's really, and to me, not black and white. It's neither good nor bad. I understand that the industry needs to evolve. I understand that this is where everybody is going. Um, all of that I have no problem with. Where it gets bad is when every blessed line of code in a product set is elevated to the level where it needs its own license, where it's given some kind of artificial value. All of these things are divvied up, bundled into these insane bundles of features that you may not need, but you have to buy because you're quote unquote saving money. Um, the whole thing is just starting to feel so convoluted and complicated that, well, let's put it this way. If you need 50 pages of a document to explain your licensing, your licensing is not simple. If you keep saying it's simple, it's not simple just because you say it's simple. It's not customer intuitive. It's not customer friendly. It's just getting so gratuitously complicated and labeled as simple that the entire thing is flawed. And perception matters. And my perception is that certain manufacturers, certain vendors are packaging it in just a nasty, heinous way. And I'll just stop there. All right. I think this I think this parallels. Um I and I, I don't I don't so there's feature licenses licenses and subscription licenses. And I think that we've seen a shift for both of these things. And I think it I think that what's interesting is that the drive doesn't seem to be, I guess it's probably not interesting, but the drive is not about the consumer. It's not about the person who purchases it. This is all about cash flow for the companies 
to meet stockholder obligations for absolutely raised profits. And so to Lee's point, we're dealing with additional complexity in licensing. And I think I know the document that you're talking about that's 50 pages to license something. It's not an exaggeration. It's, it's quite impressive, actually, that you can spend that much time talking about licensing. But at the end of the day, we're dealing with these complexities because of this, this shift to needing um, recurring revenue versus upfront and long-term investments. Now, I can't necessarily fault companies for this because this is the way the whole world is going. It's not just technology. We see this in the way we consume media, it's subscription services, the way we consume most things, when we consume software, good, bad, or ugly. It's just the way that the world is, is going. I think the real negative of this type of model where we constantly need to be renewing this revenue is that it seems to remove any thought of the long term. So we don't, in our, in our product visions and the way we do things and the features that get elevated to roadmaps to all of those things, it's all based off of short term return on investment versus long term return on investment. And so our innovations seem very, they, they either seem iterative or the ones that are big seem released way too early because we need that next hit. We need that next thing because it's just the model that's there now. And it ends up being something that I think really detracts from product quality and feature quality and a lot of other things uh, to our detriment for the purposes of meeting a new financial model. Except there are really two major components at play here. One is the one is the aggregation of features into a, into a purchasable skew, and the other is the fact that I don't want to necessarily pay for features I'm not using. We all remember the days of uh, ASAs when they came out. You you had you know ten things on the platform you could license, and they were all done a la carte. That was just a dumb way of doing it. I don't think anybody wants to know. Uh, oh my gosh, if I need this feature, I got to go buy this thing right over here and have every single blasted feature that you want skewed out into oblivion. Uh, the, the number of, per, of, com, of combinations and permutations of, of licenses would just be worse than the 50-page document you're talking about. But on the other hand, I, I don't know that I want to be paying for a platform that supports features that I don't use. Right. If I can, if I as a consumer am buying this big, fantastic whiz-bang switch that, that I know I'm not going to need this tier of features for yet, I don't want to pay for it. So there, there's got to be a happy medium in there somewhere. And, and yes, I imagine that coarsely means that you're going to have chunks of licensing things. And, and obviously the 800-pound gorilla in the room is Cisco. Um, they, they do a fantastic job of, of making things overly complicated. And nobody's ever faulted Cisco for being simple. Or for not being simple, or no, Cisco's not simple. We know that. Um, and so when you when you look at that um, approach versus the a la carte approach, which is really the other alternative, um, I, I think that I prefer the way we're headed as opposed to where we came from. That's actually a really good point, and I want to make sure that we clarify that here. When we talk about licensing individual feature sets and functions in a device, these are things that are being developed. And a lot of times they're being developed by different teams. The VPN team, it's not the same people coding the packet filters, not the same people that are coding the call processor on a different platform. And so they have to have a justification to live. They have to be have a reason for being there. Now, Historically, that's been, well, your functionality is built into the base image of the system, so everybody's going to use it whether or not they actually care to use it or not from a consumption perspective. But now that we're breaking those things out and we're causing people to justify the reasons why they need to use things, it's becoming a much more granular discussion about what's going on. And so my question then becomes, kind of to Sam's point, would it be more advantageous for the consumer 
to use a license base, a license feature that is a la carte, knowing that if nobody buys the VPN license for a firewall, that team has no justification to still exist. Is that something people would want to do? I can't answer for Sam, but I can talk about one thing Sam said, the big long list of features that should you, um, would you rather go a la carte? My premise is that that list is too freaking long. You don't need to license everything just because it is a quote unquote feature. I'm saying the list is too long. I'm saying that everything isn't innovation and that's becoming a buzzword. That's becoming an excuse. I've seen it with a wireless toolmaker recently. I've seen it with the elephant in the room. Everything is innovation. Get somebody up there in a blue blazer, have them spout off about how subscriptions and this complicated license somehow equals innovation, gets you access to innovation. Part of the problem is that the vendor shouldn't be defining innovation. Innovation by definition is just a new way of doing something. Whether it's useful innovation is up to the customer. But they come out with guns a-blazing. You have to buy all of this expensive crap if you want to be able to do anything. And oh, by the way, we want to put a little spy box on your network to monitor that you're doing all this legitimately and giving us every last penny. And if you're not, then something's not right in the world. It, it just feels dirty it starts it's starting as a customer and let me you know i don't know jordan's role but i'm a customer speaking as a customer it's getting to be more painful than going to buy a used car from the sleaziest car salesman even though our se's are nice people a lot of times they can't understand the licensing models they can't explain it it takes two or three visits and a team of people so something is wrong something is broken and with that's, that, <laughs> that's interesting. So, I mean, so I don't disagree at all about the fact that, that it's, it's gotten worse and that it's even more difficult. So I, I work at a reseller and working at a reseller, even our people have a hard time piecing it together. Like people who it's their job, right. To know all the nuance of licensing. And sometimes that's difficult depending on the product line. Um, I think, I think even more interesting is, is the fact that like when we talk about the delineation between these product sets, so we talked about the a la carte. I don't know very many people who are doing that, where like every, every single unique feature is, is its own thing. I think most people are kind of chunking them together. What I find really interesting is to find what those chunks are. And, and oftentimes what will happen is like, you'll have the base level license, which included everything that existed before. And then we're gonna have the subscription license, which is all the features that, that have, you know, uh, care and feeding required by a developing team and we're going to develop lists and we're going to develop things like this and, and you're going to get all these you know additional features on a regular basis and that's how we delineate this licenses you have the base license which is perpetual and then you have a subscription license on top of it which give you these features and there's different tiers of that subscription if you look in the details of those subscription licenses almost always there will be one or two features that a lot of people use <laughs> that are not subscription based that are part of that base platform, that are part of what we've always used before, that you lose if you don't maintain the subscription. And so I'm not gonna call out anyone specifically, but there are specific features that are used on product sets that we've seen go from uh, a truly perpetual license with support to perpetual with added on service tiers, where there were features that were, require no development whatsoever, even line to line, so long as we don't change the actual underlying operating system. Things that are incredibly static, they get tied in, to further entice people to paying this, you know, this, this residual money uh, coming in, which I think is, is a bit nefarious. 
you know, I guess the concern that I really have is when you is when you have organizations who are trying to figure out how to adopt um, this this new way of consuming models and or of consumption models, and that's really what it is, as far as I'm concerned. And I see it out of out of blasted every infrastructure vendor on the market is they're trying to figure out how to make sure that they continue to justify their existence, continue to justify recurring revenue and, and income. Uh, it, it's in my book, it's less about the 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 thrashing around that has to do with the licenses. And it's more about this this deep dark secret that nobody wants to talk about, which is things like discount levels and you know customer levels and your relationship with your account team driving what it is you ultimately pay for something. If if I want to buy something and Jordan wants to buy something and we go to uh, pick a vendor, uh, well uh, since Cisco seems to be the one we're picking on, we go to Cisco and you say, great, I want to sell that box. The price I pay is going to be different than the price that Jordan pays. And the reality is is that we is that all of the these problems are ultimately problems because of the cost associated with them. And if that cost associated with them is negligible, then who really cares? Um, and negligible is a matter of relationship is really the problem. So to that point, Sam, I want to bring up another elephant in our room that is causing issues. Um, and it's actually related to a non-tech industry, and that would be the cable company. So the cable company has had this model for years of the bundle. We're going to take a whole bunch of channels and we're going to put them together and we're going to sell you that bundle. And then if you want this one channel or that one channel, you have to buy a different feature package and you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff you really don't care about. I remember when I was, when I still had cable, my kids wanted to watch Nick Jr. And I got 15 other channels with Nick Jr. because that was only available in that one package. So the entire industry went backwards. And what they said was, fine, we're going to give you exactly what you want. We're going to give you the ability to buy things a la carte. But what they didn't do was give us a la carte pricing for exactly what we wanted. I cannot go subscribe to the Disney Channel for $2 a month. I have to buy Disney Plus, which includes the Disney Channel and the first run series that I want to watch, but also access to their back catalog. And it's priced at a tier that I can't pay less for. So I feel like the problem that most people have with feature licensing as we've been kind of talking around this is not just that they want to buy the features that they want, it's that they want to pay the bare minimum necessary to make the box functional. They don't want to buy the $500 a year Enterprise Plus license for one box that includes one feature they want and 12 others they don't. They want to be able to split that out. But I don't think companies are ever going to support that model, which is why ultimately we're going to be stuck with it licensing individual features under a bundle umbrella. Because if they broke out that one feature, it would cost $100 a month just for that one feature. Yeah, it's no. I, 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 well, I was going to say that I agree because when I cut the cable, I did the same thing that Tom did. I went and I picked all the channels that I had before rolled into a bundle. I'm paying just as much today as I want, only I'm paying it in seven different transactions. The net cost to me as a consumer is the same because I'm ultimately consuming the same number of channels. I'm just paying a whole bunch of people individually for it. But right. in that, and so go ahead, Jordan. Yeah. So, but in that, are you really getting anything a la carte though? Because <laughs> even with that, like I, I'm, I'm still struggling to find an a la carte model One. because. Those are One, still bundles, yeah. right? Like everything is still bundles. Like when, when we started talking cut and cord, like all the cart was what everyone said, but then you went to every provider out there and the minimum purchase was 35 channels. <laughs> you know, like, like there was no way to get just the channel you wanted. Now we're starting to see more of the individual channels kind of breaking out. And now we see the whole market just kind of bifurcating where, where 
we're splitting everything up and now it's like you said so many different transactions we're spending the same amount but one channel the value <laughs> that the that the provider puts on that channel versus what i want to pay for that channel is is disparate and that will always be the case because at the end of the day it's the company's job to make as much money as possible at the end of the day it's the consumer's job to pay as little as possible for the things that they need and so that both people are going to push to both ends of the spectrum and it's going to land in the middle i don't think you're ever going to find a time where that's not true um, what I will say is that as we've seen these feature bundles get added, I don't necessarily feel as if the, the cost has gone down if you've opted for less. I feel like the, the cost just kind of stays as a baseline and then they add additional things on top that if you want to, if you want to keep progressing, you've got to pay even more versus I guess what the traditional model is when we talk about networking gear is you buy a piece of gear and you own it. You own it for five to six years or however long your refresh cycle is. And five to six years later, you're going to pay about the same amount, but you're going to get a newer piece of gear with new features where now it's you buy that piece of gear next year you pay or the five year cycle, you pay that same piece, that same price, but you get a less feature capable device. And then you have to add on to get features that were ahead of that were that were introduced. So I don't know. Except if I disagree. I, I no, I, I disagree with what you're saying there because if you if you com, if you compare the list price of a 3550 inline from 10 years ago compared to list price of a 3750 or a 3850, same number of ports, same PoE capabilities, budget for budget, you're paying way more today because prices go up. Right, that's just straight up inflation. There is no, there is no. Oh my gosh, the box I bought ten years ago, five years ago, three years ago, feature for feature is going to be the same dollar. It, that that's a pipe dream if you think that's real. No, no, no. That's not. That's not what I was saying. I, I was factoring inflation <laughs> in there. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I thought you meant dollar for no, dollar. No, not yeah, actual no. same dollar amount. Because the, the check right. I write is more today, right? It will always it's be more. Yeah, that that's just yeah. a fact of life. What I'm saying is what I get for my money you know, inflation accounted for is less the more we go along. And so I feel like the, the base feature set becomes less as we invest in these platforms. And then you have to invest in the additional higher end um, to, to get the same level of feature set that you had before just progressed to the next level. I always, I, I always felt like it, it was iterative. You bought the next set of gear, you got the next set of features. Whereas now, like, it just feels like you buy the next set of gear, you get the very baseline set of features unless you spend way more than what you did last time. Inflation accounted so for. So let me back up to the uh, cable TV analogy, right? I too got the cord and it was because I was paying more than I wanted for something that didn't feel that it was giving me value. It wasn't, it wasn't fair. What I was getting was not a fair trade for my money, right? <clears throat> and that's kind of what I'm saying. I'm not dead set against anything that's going on with the licensing. It's all in how it feels and it absolutely doesn't, feel fair right now the way it's being presented again that 50 page document if it takes a room full of people and that big of a document to explain it it feels sleazy it might be on the up and up it absolutely feels horrible the fact that i want to go out and buy a specific model ap and i'm not using a particular network management system whatever the hell we're calling dnac I'm not using it, but I have to buy a license for it to be able to get this 1805 or 1810 AP, whatever the hell we were buying with the mandatory add-on. And then when you complain, the response is at the end of three years, you're not required to renew it. 
why do I have to buy it to begin with? Again, the feeling of not only is it something that you can't use because you don't have the platform and something that you don't want, the answer is this bizarre, well, you won't have to renew it. Just buy it once, even though you're not using it. Well, we won't make you renew it. How is that good to anyone on any level, anywhere, in any universe? Buy something that you don't want, buy something that you can't use, you have to, or you can't use the hardware that you want. That's not good. I'm sorry, it's just not. There's no defending it. You're, you're conflating those two, two separate issues, and one of those issues is complexity. I think if you look at the uh, the latest controller configuration guide uh, from that vendor, is almost 1,500 pages. 1,500 pages just to configure Wi-Fi. Innovation. Uh, okay, that, that 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 sounds utterly ridiculous. That 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 that, that that's just configuration options. That's not that, that that that's just configuration. Cisco has never been one to make something simple. Period. End of story. And so you so you're going to a company, or you're, you're you're skewering an organization who has traditionally been complicated. And inevitably, there's some reason for that complication. I'm faulting them for being complicated. Now, if they have bad messaging or bad positioning, or they called a license the same name as a product, even though the two don't have anything to do with each other or they're confusing yes that's a burden on the consumer no doubt about it but don't conflate the two issues right I'm that, absolutely that you, not conflating it sam when you go and you buy the ap you have to buy a license whether you can whether you are using the platform that that license applies to or not i'm not conflating anything yes i know about the complexity but to buy a piece of hardware and to be required to buy a license for something that you neither can use or do use, and you can't use it because you don't have it, yet you need to buy the license. That's not conflating. That's calling out fraud. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, your, I'm saying your, your example of it shouldn't take 50 pages to understand licensing. That's complexity. 50 pages for licensing equates to 1,500 pages for a controller config. That's all complexity. Good. I have no problem with 1,500 pages of config. Fine, I'm good with complicated systems, but 50 pages of licensing is different. Configuration is what makes something work. Licensing is, okay, this is all the creative ways we're gonna separate you from your money, and we are gonna fog you so bad and smother you with buzzwords and tell you how freaking simple it is that you just get lost in it, your eyes roll back and you'll capitulate. And again, from the consumer perspective, only talking about licensing, not the complexity of the systems. I'm telling you that to me, it just feels absolutely, all I can think of is dirty and fraudulent <laughs> and sleazy. There's not a kind word I can throw at it to, to balance how the, you know, how the perception is to me. And I can't believe any of this was run by focus groups or who in their right mind thought that this would just feel okay to people. And, and that's enough out of me. Go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> so I, I, to speak to your point about a compelled license purchase, I mean, this is, uh, I don't think you're alone here. Uh, I got my hand smacked a while back for saying something about this. So I'm going to be very careful as I talk about this, but the, the idea that a, that a customer has to buy a license. So Cisco, and we just called them out. So I might as well just talk about them directly. Cisco did a, um, at least on the switching side, which is where I spend more time, uh, they were very careful about making sure that even with that license, that the three-year ROI 
or not the three ROI, but three, three year total cost was roughly the same as what you would have bought a comparable product in the previous generation. So in their defense, um, they did that. And, and I think the reason why they do the compelling thing is because they want to say they have X number of customers and they want to say it quickly. Um, that's not good for customers. That's good for stockholders. Back to my point earlier, like that whole point has nothing to do with you. And yes, it is lots of people receive it the exact same way that you just stated. It feels dirty. I don't use those features. I don't want to have to pay for that. Um, and in fact, Cisco has had to step back a little bit because there are certain arrangements with certain organizations that can't buy on three-year terms that buy on one year. And what they do is they reinstate some of that cost into the product rather than putting it on the license. At the end of the day, it is a zero-sum game. You're going to pay X, whether it is a three-year software subscription or no software subscription, the cost of the product is X. Now, what they hope is that you just continue on with a software subscription because then the five-year ROI is way better for Cisco, not for you as a consumer. If you choose to continue using those features, they get the benefit of having the, of the customer count go up very, very quickly. They get the benefit of saying, hey, look at this new product. It's super, super cool. Everyone is adopting it. It looks fantastic you are supposed to get the benefit of the fact that it doesn't really cost you any more than the previous generation. So you really just supposed to ignore it and not pay any attention to it, which a lot of customers don't because they're like, why am I paying for this? And then at three years, if you do cancel it, your five-year ROI should be about the same. Is that true? I mean, we'll see. <laughs> We're not long enough into the product lifecycle to know whether that's where we all come out, but that was the general thought behind that. But I agree. It's the first time in my experience in networking where there has been a license that has been compelled regardless of whether or not you use the feature that you had to buy a license with a product. And that has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with impressing stockholders. Well, except for the fact that we saw, we, we see precedents for this in the, in the industry, right? That's how Meraki got its roots and, and Meraki way before the Cisco acquisition uh, had compelled licenses as well. They were absolutely mandatory. And I think the difference there is that they set a precedence and their precedence was um, uh, pay a, we're going to tie core functionality of the product to this license being valid or not. And they're, and they're, they're to, to their credit, they haven't shifted on that, which is when the license runs out, the gear stops working. Um, and so, so it's not that there wasn't a precedence for it. It's it, that absolutely has been the case, but we are all struggling with all of these other vendors, not just Cisco, trying to figure out how to go replicate that OPEX success. Right. And I see, more and more organizations internally and enterprise organizations who focus on reduced capex spend and increased opex spend it's simply more predictable and i see that infrastructure vendors are trying to catch up to that they're trying to figure out how they align well with customers needs i don't know of any organization who says yeah definitely give me a bigger capex spend and a reduced opex spend all right and again i'm just going to go back to presentation i am a meraki customer as well i don't recall needing more than maybe a paragraph to understand Meraki licensing, it is what it you, is. You haven't it's read it recently. It's, well, <laughs> I, beg, I beg to differ. It's it's not all that ugly. Um, and I'm just saying the, you know, back to Jordan's point, you know, you're going to pay the same. Fine. Don't sit there and tell me you have to buy something you can't use. The dollar amounts are almost irrelevant because it's like, okay, if we're doing this weird sleazy stuff what else are we doing that makes no sense so i have to split what i'm paying you into some fictitious subset so that you can feel better at the corporate level and again then we kind of combine that with 
anything that comes out of that particular product set is going to be buggy for a couple of years. We're pricing it like a Cadillac, but you're lucky if you get a Pinto for a while until all the bugs are ironed out. I mean, there's just so much here that that's wrong and we're calling it all innovation. And then, like I say, the, the blue blazer product manager guy blogging about how this new strange double speak and made up language and this stuff you have to decode. Yeah. Well, you're paying for a license. You're not really going to use it. It's all good. Innovation. Oh, bullshit. It's not. It's it, In it again, lift the fog, cut that licensing document down to five pages, 10 pages and stop making everybody live in this fog and it won't feel as bad, even though this is where it's all going. Fine, let it go there. It just doesn't have to go there in this nasty, underhanded way. You heard it here. Lee said it doesn't matter about the dollars. So let me pose this question to you guys, because I'm, I'm kind of curious. So I, I hear a lot of discussion about I, I want the licensing to be less complex. I want it to be more fair to me so that I don't have to pay for things I don't want. I feel like those two things are diametrically opposed because I can make a, a licensing document that's less than a page long and the license is you pay for a license for everything that this thing can be featured to do. But I feel like there's a licensing model that I'm actually a huge fan of that a uh, program that I use called Agenda is doing, which is there is a freemium use license. You can use this app forever without any extra features. And then there's a subscription model, and I use the quotey fingers because what they say is you buy the app today for $35. And what you get is every feature we've developed since the beginning of the app and every feature we're going to develop in the app for the next 12 months. And if the features that you like are ones that you feel are worth the value, then you pay for it and everything is great. And if you want to fund our development for the next 12 months to create new features or suggest features that are going to be useful to you, then great. But if we don't develop anything in the next 12 months that you feel is appropriate, then don't pay us and then pay us again the next yearly fee when we develop something that works for you. Is that a fair model for a large enterprise to work off of? It's like, listen, we've said we really want you guys to develop, I don't know, site to site. ECC VPN, but we don't have any money for that. If you want to pay us with a license fee to do that, to develop it, we will. Otherwise, we're going to have to pay for something you don't want in a license or something that's not baked. Is that a fair model? So I, it sounds great. Um, it'll never happen. And, and the reason why it will never happen is, is, is back to my initial point, is that that model works great for a non-publicly traded company. That model works great when you're buying a piece of software and at the end of the day, they can rest on their laurels about whether or not the software is good enough to pay for or not. Um, and if they have a bad cycle, they have a bad cycle and they weather it and they move on. Um, a bad cycle in, you know, in a publicly traded company can mean millions or billions of dollars lost as people lose confidence. And so there's just no way the revenue has to stay up. And so that's, I, I just don't think that that's even anywhere near applicable for like an enterprise infrastructure play, but I could be wrong. Yeah, be I would agree Sam? with, I would, I would agree with Jordan. Absolutely. It's, uh, sounds great in theory, but it just isn't happening. Um, <laughs> but it's nice to well, think about. 
Well, and, and I think you, 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 again, I think that's something that we all agree on, which is as a publicly traded company, as a, as a person who has a 401k, I, I want my stocks to do well. Maybe that's me being selfish. Maybe it isn't. But if I invest in these organizations, I want them to continue to make money. Right. Um, and I think that's everybody's prerogative. Um, I, I hate to say unabashed, unabashedly capitalist, but uh, why is it bad for me to want to invest in the stock market and make some money? It's not. It's all not. all Nobody. of these things are a two-edged sword. It's all about perspective. Because I think we keep talking from the consumer perspective because that's the side that we live on or that's the side that we help. But at the end of the day, Cisco and all these companies are not evil for trying to create profit. They're not, they're not doing anything that's bad for, for, for people individually. They're just trying to find revenue streams that work that make them as much profit as possible for the people that have invested in them. And, and there's nothing inherently bad about that, but it's, it's at odds with the consumer right and, and it's just finding balance between these two things because just like you, I, I have stocks too like i like to see them do well and the reality is is that the subscription model does wonders for bringing stability to a stock price it just really does and and that's what everyone's looking at is instead of having these you know these big ebbs and flows with you know well we had big purchases this year and this year was a down year it just kind of all flattens out and everyone can have you know reliable revenue um, and being someone that runs a very, very small business, like I like regular revenue, <laughs> you know, like, don't get me wrong. I like regular revenue over influxes of, of large cash here and not large cash over here. So, I mean, I understand the motivations, but at the end of the day, it's a balance. And, and, and when I look at it and I say that it is negative, it isn't because either side of the equation is negative. I think it's negative in the long run for product quality. I think that what we see from bad product releases, and Lee, you kind of insinuated this, like we see a new product come out way too early is because of this cycle, where before someone might have held on to that for a year or two and said, hey, like, let's get this thing like really solid before we get it out the door. And then when we release it, it will sell like hotcakes and it will work perfectly and everyone will love it and they'll continue buying it. Now it's, you're going to buy it and because you want it, because it sounds great and it takes a while to get there because it was just so half-baked on the initial release because they just had to get it out the door because it was the next thing for revenue. Except that's not that's not a new problem for that's not a problem unique to our industry. Look at look at the automotive industry. Nobody has uh, nobody will ever encourage you to buy the first year of a GM vehicle. Period. End of story. No, I, I mean, I, and I hate to say that that's just the way it is, but that that's not unique to us. No, I don't think so. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's unique to us. I think I think the problem has gotten worse. Is what I'm saying. Is I'm not saying that yeah. the problem hasn't existed before. What I'm saying is that the problem has gotten worse because we're even more compelled to release earlier. Yeah, and I will say that no place is marketing more wild and crazy than with wireless networks. And some of that is the, you know, the standards are so uh, open-ended and all of the things that could happen and marketers seize right on that. So I, I'm going to say, you know, nobody is going to say, if I go out and I buy that new car, I'm going to be able to use the transmission. I might have to take it back for the occasional recall, but I'm going to be able to use the car the way it's delivered. You buy a lot of network stuff, it's just not the case. You know, all the, you know, hype and smoke about how great this thing is and all the stuff it can do and all of that, the standard isn't even there yet. <clears throat> or the standard is there, but the maturity of the products aren't, but they're marketed as if it were, you know, a mature thing and you go right to the top end of 802.11ax. Right now, three quarters of anything to do with AX is turned off globally for all product sets. So the marketing in networking is different. The reality in networking is absolutely different from the car industry, the automotive industry. And you know, that, that just is what it is. Just real quick, I 
I don't know how many days ago, how many days ago now it was, just a few days ago, I put out a Twitter poll about, you know, do you think that licensing of networking equipment is the, is the networking industry becoming predatory in their licensing? 264 people replied, 93% said yes, in some way, fashion or form. Half of that 93% said yes, the other half said it depends on the vendor. So 93% of 246 people, and I'm assuming they're all networkers, replied and said that this is predatory, the way it's all starting to go. And again, back to me, or back to my opinion, it's just the way it feels. That word balance has come up a couple of times. Something needs to be skewed so that yes, you can make your profits and you can have your Cisco Live and hire all your Hollywood people to do your keynotes and you can do these gigantic, big ass expensive after parties and live the, the lifestyle you want to live as a corporation. But at the same time, there has to be some adjustment made for the customer so it doesn't feel so nasty. 93% of 264 people say so. So it's not just me. All right. So this has been a very healthy discussion. And I think ultimately what it comes down to is a, is a point that's been brought up by our, our panelists here is that there is a strange dichotomy when it comes to funding enterprise feature sets with stockholder money. The people that buy your things want to recognize that they're getting value for what they're paying. The people who are funding those things want to recognize that they're getting paid for the money that they gave you. Feature licensing is a way that we can do that, but we disagree fundamentally on who's getting more value out of what they're investing into it. Is it the users who should be getting the most value? Well, they can vote with their wallet and say, if you give me bad license terms or things I'll never use, I'll just stop buying your product. Or is it the investors who say, if you don't find a way to give me the money back that I invested in your product, I'm gonna walk away and you don't have a company to sell things. I don't think that there's an easy answer to this, just like the cable company found out that there's not an easy solution for the bundle versus the a la carte. But with the cable company and a lot of other industries who are doing this um, disaggregation are finding out is that if you don't make a decision one way or the other very quickly, everybody is gonna walk away and leave you holding a bag and a 50 page document explaining exactly how you screwed up. I'd like to take a few moments to thank everybody who's been on the panel today, Lee, Sam, Jordan. It was a rousing discussion. I'm sure we're gonna get lots of comments on the video and lots of comments on our website at gestaltit.com. So I look forward to hearing what the rest of the industry has to say. If you'd like to check out more episodes of this podcast and some of the other great technical content that we have going on, please make sure you head over to gestaltit.com and check us out. If you go to gestaltit.com slash podcast, you can always find the latest episode along with some of the other great technology topics that we've been discussing. Um, we like to thank our guests today for staying on premise. Even if we're not on premises, um, we always love to have great discussions like this. So for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for the great panelists that we had, and for all the people who are part of the Gestalt IT community, we wish you a fond adieu and stay tuned for more great technical topics.